We are going to a new series. I hope that uh, you're ready. Uh, if not, hopefully this message will help you be ready. Um, but before we get into the uh, message, I do want to welcome someone very special. Uh, Katie, uh, who, who is our dear sister in the back there. Uh, she's with us today. She's our sister in Christ. She was baptized, and her friend here, Greg, as well as Holly. Uh, she's, she's, we know Holly very well. Uh, but, sister, it's awesome to see you. Beautiful, radiant in the Lord, and we are so excited to have you here. So excited that you're our sister, and so excited that, uh, you know, we can worship together today. Um, uh, it was also Barb's birthday yesterday, guys. Barb's birthday. I'm so, she's 29 years old. So excited. I'm so glad that we can celebrate, because you're up here now, uh, your birthday. And um, we also, uh, especially for Danielle and I, it's our 18th wedding anniversary today. We also... She's so beautiful. Oh my goodness. I love it. I love um, that she's my wife. Um, but let's start off with a prayer and uh, we'll, we'll jump into the message. Father in heaven, we come before you knowing that all things uh, are just from you. Uh, God, the friends we have, the, the breath that we have, God, the, the beat of our heart, God. Lord, we know it all comes from you. We're so thankful that you created us. Not just to be uh, servants, but to be fellow uh, people, fellow uh, relationship in, in your life, God. And, and thank you so much that you chose not to be alone, but to create more, Father. And to create us, God, you, you, you made us uh, connected to you in a way that is super uh, spiritual, God. Super unknown to scientists, super unknown to philosophers, God. Lord, it's eternity branded into our hearts, God. And Lord, we know we are, we are made to worship. We are made to have fellowship with you, God. And nothing else will do, God. And I pray that, God, this, this series that we do, God, will be blessed by you, God. We pray that we would all engage in worship of you, God. That we would not be passive, but we would be active worshipers of you, God. That we would give all of our hearts, all of our strength, all of our minds, and all of our, 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 our souls to worshiping you both privately and publicly, God. We ask you, Lord, that you bless this message and that you would let this start a fire, God, in our hearts, God, that would lead to sweeter fellowship with you, the almighty, invisible, awesome, eternal God. We love you. We thank you for this time. And we ask you to bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, uh, turn your Bibles to Ecclesiastes 3. And uh, we'll jump right in. Uh, this is going to be our series. It's going to be called Whatever Happened to Worship. That is what the title of the message and not the message, but this, this whole series is going to be Whatever Happened to Worship. And meaning, whatever happened to it? You know, meaning... That the churches and, and Christians sometimes can lose that. Can lose that understanding of worship. Because worship is not something that... It has to be intentional, amen? It has to be something that we, 
we work at, that we strive to. And as this world gets more more busy, amen, when we're flooded with so many messages, so many things coming at us each and every day, it's easy to forget about worshiping God. I want to ask you a question. Did you worship God today? You're like, well, I'm worshiping God right now. But I'm saying privately, did you worship God today? Do you, did you, how did you, were we go of worshiping? And I'm not here to guilt you out. I'm here to make you think that, that we can read our Bible and we can pray sometimes and we can still fall short of worshiping God. We can come to church and our hearts can be somewhere else. We can go to a meeting of the body and we're, we're there and that's awesome, but we're not there because this world floods us with so many messages so many distractions, and it can be easy to forget about worship. And, and the Christian is not, can't be a Christian without worship. You can't live this life without God, without connecting with God. And, and we're going to talk about worship, hopefully, in a way that can inspire you. This is not about what you're not doing, amen? It's about what you can do. It's about the wonderful privilege we have of worshiping God and and I, I, I guess there's two goals I have is to help you feel more comfortable worshiping God and help you feel a little bit more uncomfortable worshiping God. Amen. Does that make sense? I want both to happen. I want you to get out of your comfort zone, but I want you to sink deeper into it as well with the things that help you connect with God. Because we all worship God differently. Amen? You notice how some of us like some songs and some of us don't like those songs. Some of us like to sing. Some of us don't like to sing. Some of us raise our hands. Some of us don't. Some of us are more like this. Some of us move a little bit more. Some of us like, it's easier for us to pray than it is to read God's word. Some of us, it's easier to read God's word than to pray. Some of us don't know how to worship in some ways that I hope that we can all understand that there are tools of worship and that we have to learn all the tools if we want to connect with God in a lifetime of time. And, and I hope that today we can really get excited about worship because it's the highest calling of the Christian. It's the highest calling. And you're not here to work. You're here to worship. You're not here to be a, a good Christian and be morally good. You're here to come before the throne room of God. And I wanted to read an excerpt from uh, this amazing book, The Divine Romance. I don't know if you've ever read this book. Guys, if you haven't read this book, I'm talking about the dudes in the church, amen? This is a masculine book, guys. This is an awesome book. It's, it's one of my favorite books, written by Gene Edwards. And he's, he's got his picture in the back. He's awesome. He's got a stash. He's great. He's one of my favorite Christian writers. And he, this is an excerpt just about why God made us. And, and the message today is called, Worship, the reason we were created. The reason we were created. I'm going to read you this excerpt. This is basically describing God's creation through uh, kind of a theatrical way of, of, of looking at it. And it's in chapter 6 I'm reading from. Because the sixth day was drawing to a close and because he had grown quite weary, the angels were greatly surprised to discover that he had not finished his creation yet. 
At the very moment they might have supposed he would end his labors, he plunged into a final act of creation, even his masterwork. You will clearly grasp what I'm about to do, for you are the highest form of life in the unseen realms, the supreme creation within the invisibles. And he's speaking to the angels now. He paused, reached down and scooped up the handful of earth, stared at it a moment and spoke again. From this red dirt, I will create the highest form of life within the realms of things visible. The creature I'm about to bring forth will rule over the material universe just as I rule over the spiritual universe. With this, the Lord began to shape, mold, and model the red dirt. The angels join in full agreement concerning the matter. This one shall be as his God, a he. They stared at their Lord, enthralled by the intensity upon his face, and noted how deep aloneness, so uniquely his, etched itself there. They knew something of great import was taking place inside their Lord and at his fingertips. Once more, the look upon his face began to change. He was searching for something, something in his own being. Slowly, he drew that element from out of himself and engraved it into the vesture of clay. With the last sculpting stroke, he stepped back from the moist sod, allowing the angels to embrace a full view of his completed work. They gasped in amazement and cried together, his image, visible. You know, this is amazing. I mean, this, this chapter, speaking about who we are, and what I'm saying when we say created, the reason we were created is to worship, isn't so much that God wanted worshipers. I'm not saying that God's like, I'm going to make millions of worshipers that will bow down and worship me. I'm not saying that when I say, amen, although he deserves millions and billions of worshipers, amen, he's worthy of that worship. But more importantly, there's a connection between God and I, God and you. There's a connection that is unlike any other creation. And that connection is built inside of you. It's the image that he put inside of you. We are connected to God in a way that all of us know. Atheists know it. Agnostics know it. They know that something is beyond. Something is eternal. Something is connecting us to the almighty maker in ways that other creatures and other people, uh, other, other, other beings don't know. All people know, though, that there's something beyond this life. And Ecclesiastes verifies it. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. Bible reads, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. Amen. He's made everything beautiful in its time. He has also... He's, uh, set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to end. What is eternity? Eternity is, is, is the image of God. Yeah. You know, that's another way to say the image of God. Eternity has been set on your heart. You know so, there's something beyond this life. You know there's a God that is watching right now. As children, we knew it. And the world told us there is no God. But there is one, and you know it. And it's funny at funerals when that image comes out the greatest. 
I know he's still alive. I know she's still alive. I know they're looking down somewhere. You know, monkeys, as I said before, don't have funerals. Even though they're one little DNA strand from us. The difference between us and apes, there's not a lot of difference scientifically. But spiritually, there is a huge difference. If it was, it's a huge difference, and we know it is. And that difference is eternity. And we were made for something special. We were made to connect with God in ways that no other being was made to connect with God. It's amazing. You were made to worship. You know, what is worship? Um, worship uh, is, is, is defined as cherishing, adoring, or loving. And I'll just go back. We're going to sing a little bit, guys, today. The feeling of expression, reverence, and adoration for a deity. I love this. Worth. Worship is, is from the English word worth. Ship. Worthiness to give. At its simplest from the worth it deserves. And so when we worship God, we're acknowledging how worthy God is. We're acknowledging that, that God is awesome and amazing and deserves the praise that we give him. And when we do that, our souls, what I say, come into the sweet spot. You ever, you ever heard about the sweet spot or in the pocket? You've heard those expressions before where you just feel like, this is what I was made to do. And you've been in there. If you've been a Christian for any time, you realize that point in time when time stands still and you are with God. And there's no other place you'd rather be as the song goes, right? No place I'd rather be than here right now, worshiping God. It's to me, cherish, adore, and love. Worship is an act of religious devotion, usually directed toward a deity. An act of worship may be performed individually, in, informal, or group uh, time, or by a designated leader. I want to put before you that everyone worships something. That we are worshipers as people. You either worship the creator or you worship the created things. And we're going to talk a little bit about how worthy God is. Amen? You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory. See, it's funny how the elders in Revelation, they use this word worthy. You are worthy. Worship. Amen? Worship. You are worthy, our Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you create all things, and by your will, they were created and have their being. You know, we're going to have really... Two quick, simple points today that I think will help you as we begin this message, as we begin this series, that hopefully can inspire you. But before we get into that, I want to kind of, if there's a theme song uh, of this summer, it's this song right here, Nearer, Still Nearer. And we're going to sing it today in the sermon. So that's going to be awesome. But I want to read the words to you first, and I want to teach you something about singing that maybe you're not aware of. That I, I'm going to show you the lyrics of the song and you're going to love it. But when we sing it, you're going to be somewhere else spiritually. Amen. Singing affects your brain differently. It affects your whole spirit differently. And that's why we need to learn how to sing. Yeah. Because I can read my Bible sometimes for 35 minutes and not get before the throne room. But I'll tell you this. When I sing this song, I'm there in the first verse. 
the first stanza, I am before God's throne. And we need to learn how to get there. I love, you know, all the Marvel things and all the different things that are in the, 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 the movies now where you just, you just get transported somewhere, you know, and it's cool and we enjoy watching those movies. But spiritually speaking, that's what happens to us. We get transformed. We get, we get brought to the throne of God. And we have to learn how to do that in an effective and effective way. Amen? Both, you know. And we're all different. Some of us cry. Some of us don't. But we all have to have affect with God. We might not show it. But I guarantee you, when you're before God's throne, there will be affect. And we have to learn and practice that now. Amen? This is our goal. Nearer, still nearer. Nearer, still nearer. Close to thy heart. Draw me, my Savior, so precious thou art. Fold me, oh, fold me close to thy breast. Shelter me safe in that haven of rest. Isn't it worship a haven of rest? Amen. That's a great way to put worship. That, that it's not us who draw God, but God who draws us. Right. Not to the outer throne room, not to the temple, but to his very heart. Amen. Like John put his head on Jesus's chest and said, who will it be? That's how close God wants us to be. You know, we, we see it with our children. They're right there near our heart. They hear our heartbeat. That's how they feel comforted. Yeah. Yeah. In the same way, that's what we need as people. We need to get close to God's heart. Amen? Amen. Nearer still nearer, nothing I bring. This one gets me the most. Nothing I bring. Do you realize that God doesn't need you in your worship, your gifts, your trinkets, your talents? Right. He just wants you. You know, in most of our lives, somebody, want, somebody wants something from us. You know? You ever notice that? There's mo- mixed motivations for all of us, amen, in, in every interaction we have. Yeah. Our work might love us, but they love how we work. More than they love us. And God loves us more than our work. He knows there's nothing I bring. Not as an offering to Jesus my King. There's nothing you can bring to God that can make you worthy to come before Him. We know the difference here. We know what's happening here. We know that we are among someone greater than us. More special than us but also someone who's like us. And that gives us a glimpse to who we can become through our interaction with him. Only my sinful, now contrite heart, grant me thy cleansing, thy blood doth impart. Grant me thy cleansing, thy blood doth impart. Nearer, still nearer, Lord, to be thine. Sin with its follies, I gladly resign. All of its pleasures, pomped and its pride, give me but Jesus, my Lord crucified. Give me but Jesus, my Lord crucified. This is my favorite last verse here. Nearer, still nearer, while life shall last, till safe in glory my anchor is cast. I'm not going anywhere. Through endless ages, ever to be, nearer my Savior, still nearer to thee. Nearer my Savior, still nearer to thee. You realize that someday when you're in heaven, you're still going to keep growing nearer. To God. 
Church, he's a mystery. He's a mystery. He's, you haven't figured him out. Don't think how old you are spiritually. You know who he is. He's revealed much to us, but there's much more that he has to reveal about his nature and who he is. And that's what one of our goals of worship is, is just to know him more. To discover the mystery that is God. Amen? Amen. First point. Worship while we are created. We're going to look at three quick verses here. Genesis chapter 1. We know this passage. Genesis chapter 1. It all began here. Verse 26. The Bible reads, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image and our likeness, so they may rule over the fish and sea and birds in the sky, over livestock and all the wild animals, and over the creatures and move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Verse 31 says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning. The sixth day. When he made us, it was very good. You might not think you're good, but God thinks you're very good. Amen? Amen. How you doing? I'm doing very good. That's what you need to answer back. We're very good. God didn't make a mistake with us. He made us very good. And he put that image in us. We're wired for worship. I love that. That's how we're wired. You know, we're, we're, we're meant to worship. We're not meant to do something else. And when, and when we worship created things, we don't feel right. Amen? Yeah. Look at Psalm 148. Psalm 148 is, uh, both these psalms are amazing. and I skip over these psalms a ton. But they speak about the purpose of every created thing is to worship. Creation is wired to worship. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord from heavens. Praise Him in the heights above. 148. Praise Him all His angels. Praise Him all His heavenly hosts. Praise Him sun and moon. Praise Him all you shining stars. Praise Him you highest heavens. And you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For all His command they were created. He was established to them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth. You great sea creatures and all ocean depths. Lightning and hail and snow and clouds. Stormy winds that do his bidding. You mountains and all hills. Fruit trees and all cedars. Wild animals and all cattle. Small creatures and flying birds. Kings of the earth and all nations. You princes and all the rulers of the earth. Young men and women. Old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. And he has raised up for his people a horn. The praise of his faithful servants of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. Again in Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Anyone can play trumpet in the church? Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with the timbrel. I don't even know what that is. And dancing. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with sounding cymbals. 
Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Amen. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You know, I love that song, Ain't No Bird. You sing in my place. You know, I lift my voice to glorify this holy name. Ain't no bird. You know, we keep going. You know, I'm not going to let that tree out there out praise me. Because when we praise God, it gets God's attention a little more than the rest of creation. Because we're his children. That tree is not his child. And that bird is not his child. We are his children. And so when we praise God, we acknowledge who God is in relation to us. Romans 1, this is a danger that Paul mentions, and it's, it's crazy because he's talking about some intense stuff. He's talking about the depravity of Rome. And Rome is, is, is pretty depraved, and, and so is this nation, amen? amen? And I'm a part of that depravity. I need God. And in verse 25, he's speaking of those that have fallen short of God's glory. And he says in verse 25, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. You know, this is what happens when we when we're in the world, we worship created things. And this is the danger as Christians. We can spend more time with created things than the created. We can focus more on what's flesh and created than our God who is forever to be praised. Amen. It's funny how he just says, who is forever praised. Amen. I mean, it's kind of an interesting way to talk. Imagine if I was like, God who is forever praised. Amen. You know, kind of get our attention to realize that even if you don't praise him, Believe me, he is being praised forever. Forever. You know, A.Z. Tozer said, I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the word of God that any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. Man, I was like, whoa. You know, think about heaven. This is the practice for the assembly. And some of us go, man, singing for eternity? (laughs) I don't know if I want to do that. Turn in your hymn books to song 1,482. That's, of course, not going to be worship. That's not what we're doing. We're not going to just sing endless songs from a hymnal book. I imagine angels will sing songs that you never heard before in a way that you never heard before. And believe me, you won't be bored. (laughs) But this is the time to learn how to worship God because it's what we will be doing forever and ever. And it won't be like this world. There are moments when I feel what it might feel like where I remember as a student purposely missing class because I was worshiping God. Amen, students, don't do that on a regular basis. 
But I got an A in that class. And I don't know, maybe I shouldn't have got an A. But I just, I'm not going to class today. I, I'm, I'm having such a great time in God's word. I don't want to go. And I'll catch up another time. You know, there are times when I'm in worship and, and I'm irresponsible with other things because everything else can wait. And it's funny, it always works out when I'm worshiping God. No, man, I'm not saying show up late. Glenn, you said I should not go to work. No, I didn't say that. But I will say there are moments when you just don't want to be anywhere else. And that's that moment that I believe heaven's going to be like. Well, you won't feel bored. Why do we feel bored when we worship God? Let's talk about that for a second. Because we're selfish. Because this world just squeezes us. You know? Makes us feel like we got to go somewhere. Like we don't have any more time. we got to move. You know? What is God calling you to do? How is your worship? You know, do you worship God more than this creation? Or do you worship the creation more than the creator? As a Christian, we can fall into that. What is God calling you to do? Where is your tent of meeting? When will you meet with God? Where is your Mount Sinai? Where you come down and your face is transformed and shining. When was the last time that even happened? Where you just were brightened by God in a way that everyone else can see. What's it mean for you to go higher in that mountain of Sinai to God? What's it mean for you? That's the question I want you to think about as we, as we you know, speak about this topic of worship. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. Recreated to worship. Amen? We're created to worship. And then the highest form of worship is from the born again. Recreated, regenerated Christian. Amen? Amen? Think about it. God, we fell in the garden. And then when we were born again, Tita was baptized Monday. It's awesome. Amen? That was really awesome to see her join us as our sister in Christ. And uh, we were happy about that. And I got holy donuts. Amen? That was the first time I had holy donuts. Really encouraging. Um, But thinking about how now her worship is complete. When we become born again, we go back into the garden. Amen? We come back in the garden as blameless, sinless creatures of God. You know, you cannot worship God fully until you're born again. You cannot. It is not, you don't have the ability to worship God like the redeemed does. Because there's a wall of sin separating us from God. And when we become Christians, amen, our, the wall falls down. Amen. And there's uninhibited worship of God. But we were born again to worship God, to praise Him. Amen? And First Peter says that very clearly. Chapter 2, it's a passage we read uh, in the study Light and Darkness. And it says in verse 9, But you are a chosen people, 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possessions, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Why were we brought from the darkness to light? To declare the praises of him who called you. That's why we're here. We're here to declare the praises of our God. You know, what, what are we here to do? We're here to be God's chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That feels awesome, huh? You know, if you've not received mercy, you can receive it. And that's the difference between us and, and the rest in the world. There's no difference except that we've received mercy. And because we've received that mercy, that wall of sin has been knocked down. Ephesians 1, let's go there. We're fully human now that we're born again. We're fully His image now that we're born again. The Bible reads in verse 11, In Him you were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will, in order that we who are first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of His glory. And you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of His glory. Two times in that verse it says, to the praise of of his glory. You were born again to praise God for the praise of his glory, for the connection, for the relationship. Our highest calling as Christians is worship. That's a pretty challenging thing to say. Isn't it love? Isn't love the highest? I'm not going to debate that one. But I will say this. That you can't love fully without worshiping fully. That the priority comes first. You know, there's a priority to a lot of things. I can't go in my house without opening the door. I can break through a window, of course, but I have to get through some opening in the house. And I can't love if I don't worship God. I can't love fully without worshiping God. You know, this is an ambitious series. Because I want to relate all of our relationship with God to be transformed. And it's not up to me. It's up to you. It's up to us as a collective group to engage. Can you sing? We need you to engage. Do you have something on your heart? We need you to engage. Do you have something to share about worship? God needs you for our sake to engage. You know, I want to put to you that that we have to get uncomfortable, church. Get out of your comfort zone because in that uncomfortability, you will find the mystery, this mysterious God. Amen? Amen? But I also want you to be comforted and learn how to do the things you love to do in a greater way. Amen. You know, um, <clears throat> we just read this verse and we're going to, we've just read this song. Now I want us to sing it. And I guarantee you'll feel a difference in your soul, in your heart. And um, we're going to just sing this simple hymn.
and then I'll give you some closing thoughts. Amen? Amen. Near is still near. Nearer, still nearer, close to thy heart. feel the difference? Amen. You felt the difference. And it's because singing opens up that part of you that nothing else can. Just like the Word of God opens up something that you can't. And just like prayer opens up. Fasting opens up. Meditation opens up. We have to learn all ways of worshiping God. I purposely 
didn't sing the third verse. Because I want you to sing it on your own. I want you this week to find this song. It's called Nearer Still Nearer. And I want you to attempt to sing it. You go, me? I'm not a good singer. God doesn't care. Believe me, there's better singers up there than here. I know that. And God just wants us to connect in a way that we couldn't connect before. When I sing this song, I think about the sins that are entangling me. And I examine myself in this verse specifically. What sins do I need to throw off? What attitudes of the world do I need to throw off? You know, these songs were written not just to be sung and to make us feel good, but to reflect and to think about the words in a way that will change us. Nearer still, nearer, Lord, to be thine. Sin with its follies, I gladly resign. Some of us need to throw off the sin that is easily entangling us. That's what's stopping us from worshiping. It, it, we need to throw it off. We need to get open. We need to, we need to get help. Because it does. It, 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 it hinders our worship. That's the thing I hate most about sin, and that's what God hates most about sin, is that it, it, it hinders our connection. God doesn't care if we're good people. He just wants to be close to us. No one's good but God alone, so give up on that. But the reason I repent of my sin isn't because I want to be good. I gave that up a long time ago. (laughs) It's because I want to be close to God. That's why we change, and that's why we worship. You know, why does it take a brother to come to us, or sister to come to us, to show us our sin? Because we're not before God's throne. We're not seeing what we need to change and repent of. We're not going before Him. We're blind because we're not worshiping. Open our eyes and see the King. See the King of glory. Meditate on this song. But also feel that haven of rest. Because there's cleansing in that time of worship. There's rest. There's joy. And there's endless ages to come. Amen. 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 Every end of the month, we are going to, not have a sermon, we're just going to be praising God in maybe ways that might make us uncomfortable. I know Brandon said that in, in down in, you know, they said, sing a song. You're ready to lead a song. I was like, oh boy, I don't know if we're going to do that in the church, you know. I don't want to put anyone on the spot. And certainly, I'm going to try not to do that. But I also want us to Come with a message of encouragement. What about that, church? What if we all came and we came with a verse, a message of encouragement that we can share for one another? What a worship service that would be. More will be done, I believe, from this sermon. Then that that time is going to be a very powerful and effective time. We're also going to talk about tools of worship. And we're also going to hear from a a brother, Lenny Barabee. 30th, bro? What? 30th spiritual anniversary, June, June 15th, July 15th, he's going to be sharing some convictions too and, and worshiping God together in that. That's going to be awesome. But I want to end with, we're just thinking about this. Sing this song this week 
I don't know. It's a pretty easy tune. Na, 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 na. Put it, you got YouTube. You got so many resources now that can help you sing this song. But I remember I didn't know how to sing until this guy, Arcelio Rodriguez, he was a brother who was from the uh, Baptist church. He goes, bro, let's go singing in the woods. I'm like, <laughs> and at the time I was a basketball player that wasn't, you know, the only thing I sang was boys to men, ABC, no, 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 you know what I mean? That's the only thing I sang, you know what I mean? That was the only thing I would sing, you know, when the radio turned on, you know? But I learned all the hymns from him. He taught me all of them. He taught me songs that I still know. And I became a song leader because he took me out privately, two dudes in the woods, singing the Lord. Freaking people out there walking on their hikes, you know. But in that moment, I remember our times, we would cry together. And I want to say, church, in our family groups, we need times of worship. I want to encourage us this summer to do that and to learn the songs. Learn the songs of the kingdom. Buy a songbook. Songs of the kingdom. Learn the hymnal songs. There's actually an app you can... You know, there's, there's resources that we can, we're going to try to give you guys that will help. One of the things that's really cool is there's a CD that teaches you the songs too, called Songs of the Kingdom. I love that. You know, there's like four-part harmony in there. That's fun to sing, right? They like, there's some hard songs and there's some easy songs. But I enjoy singing those songs too. Um, but I want to end with something, an uh, excerpt from A.W. A. Tozer about worship. I remember when an old man came down from the hills of Tishbe, dressed in camel's hair and girded about the loins with a leather girdle. He had never seen a king and a palace was unknown to him. The pine trees had been his temple and the sound of wind had been his organ. And the stars at night had spoken to him and whispered of the Lord. God of his fathers, and he knew the word. But he walked boldly in the presence of that degenerate, decadent king and said, I am Elijah. I stand before God. He was bored with the royal red tape, bored with the scepters and crowns and cheap little barber chairs set up to, and called thrones. He was bored and essentially said, I've spent my years standing, year standing in the presence of the Ancient of Days. And I'm not afraid of kings. And I come with a message. There will be no rain. Then he disappeared walking with rustic dignity out of the presence of that puppet king. A cheap utensil used by the abolished woman, Jezebel. So when the whole world exploded and said, oh, they sent satellites. And oh, they made computers. Well, they're good at satellites. They've got a lot of them. And I'm bored with it. I've stood in the presence of him who encompasses the universes and holds them in his hand. He calleth the stars by name and leadeth them forth as a shepherd leads forth his sheep across the blue-green heavens above. Now I'm therefore going to fall down and worship and say how wonderful. I worship the Lord of the sun and stars and all the space and all time and all matter and all motion. Therefore I am not too excited. He is the Lord of all being not of philosophers and not of the wise men, 
but the revealed God. The God that reveals himself. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. And since he is the God of all being, he is the enemy of all not being. For when we worship him, we encompass all science and all philosophy. Science is great. Philosophy is greater. Theology, greater still. And worship is the greatest of all. For worship goes back farther than science can go. Back of where human thought can penetrate. Back of all the wordings of theology and back to reality. And when the Christian gets on his knees, he's having a meeting at the summit. He stands before God. He can't get beyond that. There isn't an archangel that can go higher than he can go. There isn't a cherub that can burn his way higher than he can go. For he is worshiping that awful mystery, that overwhelming majesty in humbling but delightful love. He's worshiping his God. Amen.